Hey, my name is Brianna, and you're listening to the FCC Grayson Podcast. God is doing some incredible things here at First Church. To learn more about FCC and maybe plan your visit, head on over to FCCGrayson.com. We hope today's message gives you hope, inspires, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive into today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you're all doing well. Thank you so much for joining us online at FCC um, at, on on our Facebook page or on our YouTube page. Or if you haven't checked out our actual website, fccgrayson.com slash livestream, I would really encourage you to go check that out. Um, it's a really great platform that we've got going. Um, there's a good chat feature in there and there's a prayer requests tab as well. So throughout all of these um, sermons that we do online, uh, do, please do throw in some prayer requests. Uh, we have people monitoring it at all times who will dive in and pray for you immediately on the spot um, for whatever it is that you need, whether it's related to this topic or just related to, to life in general. And um, we'd really encourage you to check out that at fccgrayson.com. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's it's we're, We are back in person this morning, I hope. Uh, if if you're watching this, then, then maybe not, but uh, we're, we're doing this as we go and figuring out everything. And uh, I know that the, the elders and Pastor Ben are doing a fantastic job and they're in contact all the time and making sure that we're, we're adhering to all of our guidelines and doing everything to the best of our ability. Um, but uh, over the last couple of months, um, we've been focusing in on our study called Redeemer. Um, and we've been looking at the character of our Redeemer, that being Jesus, um, who our Redeemer is, uh, why we had to have a Redeemer, when the redeeming happened, and, and, and what happens now that we've been redeemed. And last week, Pastor Ben was talking to us about um, what we do now that we have been redeemed. And we have to go out and tell other people about our Redeemer, to go out and tell other people about Jesus and to bring them into the uh, into the arms of Jesus and into the arms of our, our family of Christ. Um, and, and this week we're actually starting a whole new study. Um, so we're diving into a whole new topic, a whole new series of, of sermons. Um, and uh, we're talking about role players, uh, key role players in the Christmas story. Uh, it is December and it's cold and I love it. It's great. I was really excited to see a bit of snow outside again. Uh, it definitely brings me back home. Uh, I'm from Ireland originally. If you, if you haven't met me, my name's Thomas. I'm the youth pastor here. Um, uh, I'm originally from Ireland and it's always cold. Uh, it rains a lot uh, and the hottest it gets is probably about 80 degrees. So this sort of cold weather is definitely like home for me. Um, so I'm definitely excited. We actually had snow already, which is really cool. Hopefully I'm kind of having my fingers crossed for a white Christmas and uh, we'll see if that happens or not. Um, but as I was saying, we're, we're diving into this new Christmas study that we're doing on the key um, key characters throughout the, the Christmas story and the roles that they played and what we can learn from their experiences and how they reacted um, to what went on throughout that whole story. Um, and today we're diving into one of the... Um, one of the parents of Jesus, so to speak. We're talking about Joseph. Um, Joseph being the husband-to-be of um, Jesus' mother, Mary. Uh, and uh, we're talking about Joseph, and we're going to be diving into Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 18 and go through to verse 24. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, or if you have a, a piece of technology that allows you to read the Bible, Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 18 through 24. And, and throughout this whole sermon today, I'm going to be focusing on three areas. Uh, we're going to look at the context of the passage, um, you know, when it was written, how it was written, all of that kind of stuff. Um, we're going to then talk about Joseph's faith 
and his response to what happened in the passage. And finally, we're going to look at what we can learn from it and what, what, how we can look at the story of Joseph and how we can implement that into our own lives and, and, and move forward in our faith um, from uh, his example. So Matthew chapter 1, um, verses 18 through 24, says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will, will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until uh, she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Will you pray with me? Uh, Father, I pray that you uh, inspire us with your word today. Inspire us with this passage. Um, Lord, remove all of my words. Speak through me, uh, Lord, and, and, and teach us about Joseph and about his example and his response to this situation. Lord, there's a lot of good stuff in here and a lot of big things to do with our faith and to do with our, our, our faith in you. And I pray that you inspire us and help us to grasp that well. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so at the very start, you'll notice I, I skipped the first 17 verses of Matthew, and you may have noticed why. Um, I, so I'm not a very good reader in general, so these sorts of passages um, scare me a little bit. But the first ver 17 verses of this chapter uh, are a genealogy that go all the way from Abraham right the way down to Jesus, uh, to Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Um, and, and most of the time, if you're like me, you tend to just blow over those passages and, and skip them and not really talk about them or not really focus on them too much. But I think it's important that uh, we just get a little bit of an understanding of um, why Matthew chose to put that in this passage. Uh, we've talked about this a few times over the past few months, but um, there are so many times in the Old Testament that the story of Jesus was predicted and foretold. What, what happened here in the Christmas story when Jesus was born is not random. It wasn't. It didn't just happen by chance. Uh, it wasn't a, a last-minute thought that God put in into place. Now, this this had been planned. This had been thought about, and this had been foretold for hundreds, if not thousands, of years by different people. In fact, if we go all the way back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, uh, whenever they were cast out, the first prophecy happens back then. And again, with with Abraham, and we get to Jesse and David, and continuously we're told about the Son of David will come and save. Uh, save God's people, save the Jews. So whenever we see this passage, Matthew is making it very clear at the very start of this, at the very start of his whole book, this book is about the, that descendant of David, the Messiah. That's who we're talking about. And I'm making this clear from the very beginning, we are talking about the Messiah and his name is Jesus. Uh, that, so that's why that's why he put it there. That's, that's the purpose of putting the genealogy at the start is it's immediately saying 
this is the Messiah that we are talking about. Uh, and another thing that we we tend to forget about these passages when we dive in, in into the New Testament, um, if you're like me, sometimes you think of the Old Testament and the New Testament as two separate stories. Um, but they are actually continuous. It is one story from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. And between Malachi, uh, which is the last book of the Old Testament, and Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament, or you know the four Gospels in general, there was 400 years in that period um, where God did not speak. Um, God did not speak to his people. We have no record of, of stuff that we now consider as scripture or God breathed. And um, we don't have that in, a, in our Bibles today, um, which is what we consider the 400 years of silence. Um, so at this point, you can, you can kind of imagine um, people haven't heard from God in a long time. And here we have these two people, Mary and Joseph. These are not priests. These are not prophets. These are not high-end Pharisees or anybody to do with the law. Um, but they are the ones who are chosen to to give out um, God's message and to start the story of the Messiah. So if we dive back into the passage, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, uh, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. So again, at the very start, Matthew's making it very clear, this story is about the Messiah. This book that I'm writing, everything I'm writing here is about the Messiah, and his name is Jesus. Uh, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, um, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So that, that I mean, again, here, if, if you don't know the Christmas story, we'll, we'll be diving into it a lot more over the coming weeks, but Mary uh, had an encounter with an angel where, where he told her that she was going to um, miraculously become pregnant through the Holy Spirit, through God, through, um, through Yahweh, um, and, and she will become pregnant, um, uh, and she will still be a virgin, and will uh, give birth to the Son of God, and his name will be Jesus. Uh, and at this point, you can kind of imagine how the conversation between Mary and Joseph went. Um, I mean, I don't think it would have been a particularly easy conversation. And if I was Joseph, I was probably thinking that Mary is going a little bit mad. Again, we're in a period where God hasn't spoken for a long time. And here's this 14, 15-year-old girl telling her fiancé that, oh no, God spoke to me and I'm pregnant with his child. You can imagine that Joseph's response to this would be a little bit, um, no, you're mad. You're a bit crazy, um, and we're done. Um, I know that would be my response. Uh, my, I can imagine that my quickfire response would be like, nope, I'm done. I'm out of here. We're, we're done with this. Um, but the story goes on. It says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. We're going to come back to that in a second. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So here we've learned two things already about Joseph. Um, and the two things I want to focus on is the fact that Joseph knew his stuff. Joseph knew his stuff. It said, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her publicly, that means that he knew what the law said about this sort of situation. If we dive into um, Deuteronomy chapter 22, this is way back in the Old Testament, and these are the laws that, that God had given to his people. Um, this is this is the law that he had to abide by, and Joseph knew what the what the Old Testament and what the the law said. In Deuteronomy twenty two verse twenty three, it says, "If there is a betrothed virgin and a man meets her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city, and you shall stone them to death with stones." Uh, so so Joseph knew that he was actually with 
within all of his rights, the law told him that he was it was okay for him to take his wife into public, into the town center, into the square, and to stone her publicly um, for for um, becoming pregnant outside of outside of marriage. Uh, and even today, um, now we don't, we don't stone people to death in public anymore, but we certainly do exile people. We certainly do publicly shame people, and that happens even within the church. Um, I haven't been here long enough to know if it happens in this church particularly, but it happens in our hearts more than anything. Uh, I know that uh, I've been part of churches in the past that have had uh, young people uh, not married who get pregnant, and the way that they are treated is that they are outcast. Um, they're forgotten about. They're, they're pushed away because of their sin, because of the, the way that they messed up. Um, and they are publicly publicly disgraced. And and I don't I don't say publicly disgraced lightly because nowadays with Facebook, with Instagram, with social media as a whole, public disgrace is common. It's everywhere. I mean, if 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 you are on Facebook or or if you ever go onto somebody's posts or if you see any sort of political post or anything like that, you will notice that people are so divided and they will happily publicly shame and abuse people over uh, the internet. And, and, and it happens all the time. So public disgrace is not something that we're not used to. Uh, and, and in this situation, um, Joseph knew that his, his wife-to-be um, was now somehow pregnant and it was not his. And he was within his rights to publicly disgrace her. So we know that he was knowledgeable. He knew what the Bible said. He knew what the Old Testament was all about. He knew um, the law. Um, but at the same time, he was kind. And, and, and you may think, well, you know, that's a bit of a stretch, Thomas. He's talking about stoning his wife, uh, his wife-to-be. But if we dive back into that verse, um, it says, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Okay, so despite the fact that he was allowed to publicly stone um, this this girl, he was he he was according to the law, it was okay for him to publicly shame her like that. Um, he chose to be kind, to be gracious, and to divorce her quietly, and to just move on and 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 try and forget about it. And that was his response. And again, you might say, well, Thomas, you know, God hates. Um, divorce, and that is true. The Bible is, makes it very clear um, that God is not pro-divorce. It is not something that He ever had planned um, for human relationships. Um, at the same time, in, in Deuteronomy twenty-four verse one, it does outline some parameters in which it is excusable. Um, and again, this is Old Testament law. This is this is what the stuff that um, Joseph knew. Um, so we know that Joseph knew his stuff. He, we know that he knew the law. And he was also kind, um, and he chose to to divorce her quietly. And I don't know if I would have the same response. I don't know if you would have the same response. Uh, I I got married about two and a half years ago, and my wife Kylie um, is is fantastic. Um, but I know that when we were engaged, and we got engaged over in Ireland, um, just and and it was a fantastic experience. We got engaged. We were so excited about getting married, and I can imagine if a couple of months before we planned to get married and move here to America. I can imagine if she got pregnant, what would I do? Um, I don't know if I would be kind and gracious. I don't know if I would have the knowledge to know what to do, and I don't know if I would have the kindness to do it um, quietly and, and gently, um, like Joseph was planning to do. Uh, I know that I would probably happily hop on Facebook and make posts about it. I know I would, I would lose my cool and, and, and make it a big deal. 
Um, and that wouldn't necessarily be wrong, but what this is saying is that like Joseph was above that. He was smarter, he was wiser, he was a uh, he was kinder and more gentle. And not only that, but he was patient. Um, if we look at the next verse, uh, it says, but after he had considered this, so he had clearly been thinking about this for some time. He didn't just, you know, immediately go and do whatever first came to his mind. He stopped and he took some time to think about it. And this is where we start to dive into the story of Joseph's faith in this whole scenario. Um, and so again, verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people uh, from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, and this is when we're talking about his faith, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she had given birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, I want to go back to this again. This isn't a vision. This isn't like the, an angel did not appear right in front of um, Joseph at the, at, this, at the very moment that he was thinking about things. Or the very moment that Mary told him about this, an angel didn't appear and just be like, hey, it's all good. Don't worry about it. That's not what happened. Some time had passed. I have no idea how long had passed, but this all happened in a dream. Now, I don't know about you. My dreams are crazy. Okay. My dreams are all over the place. My dreams make no sense. And when they do, they're either kind of scary or weird, or um, they just are completely boring and don't really mean anything. Uh, I personally have never had, as far as I'm aware, I've never had a dream from God. I've never had a, an angelic visit in a dream like this. And even if I did, I don't know if I would be able to pinpoint and notice the difference between a godly dream and a normal dream. Uh, just to put that into a bit of context for a bit of story about what happened has happened in my life. And um, when my wife and I were moving here to America, the immigration process um, was was difficult uh, and was a really close call as to whether we were going to make it here on time or not. Um, but throughout all of that, one of Kylie's friends and Kylie included continuously had dreams um, where God was reassuring them that things were going okay. And I was just stuck there because I never had any dreams as far as I was aware. I was stuck here thinking, well, I don't really know. I mean, is it really going to happen? I mean, I, I, you know, God, why isn't God speaking to me? Or maybe he is and I'm just not noticing. How do I tell the difference? What's really happening? I, I have no idea. And, and that whole process was a, was a faith um, shaping moment. Um, but Dreams are not something that are easy to understand or easy to grasp or easy to tell the difference of good ones and bad ones and godly ones and ungodly ones. So here is Joseph, falls asleep, has this dream where, uh, where an angel speaks to him and he has faith. Um, to me, it's a, 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 a bizarrely strong faith to follow a dream um, a literal dream while he was asleep to follow through and give up every all of his plans um, that he had with his wife to pursue this. Not only that, is he, he's taking on a son that is not biologically his um, and, and doing all of that based on a dream. 
And, and this this uh, this doesn't end here for Joseph. I mean, you can imagine that the the doubt. I mean, I, this this isn't necessarily mentioned biblically, but you can imagine the doubt every day for the rest of his life throughout all of this um, would have continued to happen for the first thirty years of Jesus's life. Uh, he would have been working with Joseph. Joseph would have been with him every day, teaching him how to be a carpenter. That was basically what they did. And this whole time, um, Joseph had to continuously, day by day, by day by day, trust that his dream was correct and that Mary hadn't just gone off and slept with another man. Uh, he had to continuously put his faith in what was happening. And then, and then you know, after um, Jesus turned 30, he goes out and he starts his ministry. And there are those who follow him, but there are thousands of people who call him a madman. Uh, and you can imagine the strain and the difficulty that would have been placed on Joseph at that point being like, I don't even know what might have happened. That's where I would have been if I was Joseph. I would have wrestled with this all the time and continuously gone back thinking, did I make the right decision? Was this the right thing to do? Did I, did I, was I wrong? Did I just have a random dream and I decided to follow it for the rest of my life and make this my, my story? Am I about to be, have the legacy of being the, the father of a madman or what's going to happen? So, but Joseph has this strong faith in this moment and for the rest of the story where he says, you know what? Yahweh spoke to me, God spoke to me, and I'm going to follow through with whatever he says. Again, if we go back to that verse, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Despite the fact that he was perfectly in his rights to abandon this woman, not, not only abandon her, but to publicly stone her and, to, and put her to death. He put all of that aside for his faith in Jesus and for his faith in God. And despite the fact that he would have been easily felt personally um, hurt um, confused and confused and his whole life would have kind of been torn apart. And when, you get, when you're engaged and about to get married, that's an exciting time. And all of this would have been thrown into question. Despite all of that, he chose to put his trust in God above his personal feelings above what he wanted to do, above what the law told him to do, he put God first, um, above everything. And above everything, that's what we can learn. That's what we can learn from his story is that even when the law is on our side, even when uh, our friends and our family or when things fall apart, when things are great, above everything, our faith is to follow God first. Above everything, God first. And that's what we've been talking about in our, in our youth group over the past two weeks. And we've been online. And one of the questions that we got from one of the young people was, how do I truly let go of self and follow God's path? And, and Joseph has done just that. Joseph, again, had every right to abandon this woman and do whatever he wanted afterwards. But he chose to let go of what he needed or what he wanted to do and follow the path that God had set him on. So we can, what we can do in response is to just practice that motion, to practice that, to look, to look at our own lives and see all of the areas in which we can be selfish, things that we want to do, good and bad things, and then to look at God, to look at what, what he wants and to pursue that first, even if it's things that don't make sense to us. I mean, for Joseph, this would not have made sense. This would have been a confusing and difficult time, but he chose to trust God. The fact of the matter is God is bigger. God is bigger than you. He's bigger than me. He's bigger than every human on the planet combined. He's bigger than the universe. He holds everything in his hands. He's got your back. He's got mine. Even when things don't make any sense, our faith in him is true. 
So above everything, put God first. Have faith in his plan for your life. Uh, I, I never know what God's plan for my life is, but what I do know is that his plan is good. Um, even when things fall apart and when things are going really well, God is good. And his plan for my life is for good. Uh, if we look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, you've probably heard this before. Um, but I think it's such a great passage that wraps this up in, in our daily walk and how we can respond um, day to day um, with our struggles and with our difficulties, with our experiences. Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 6. Do not be anxious about, every, about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and make your minds, or will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to go over that again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think that kind of sums up exactly what Joseph has experienced. Joseph knew the law. He knew what he could do. But I think most importantly, Jesus or Joseph knew God. Um, Joseph knew God. He put the, this situation before God and God answered him and said, no, continue. I have a plan. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, led Joseph to be a key role player and a key follower of Jesus for the rest of the New Testament. He ended up being the one to raise Jesus. He helped raise the Son of God, and that was his legacy, that was his story, that was his role. Um, not only did he teach him carpentry, but he probably taught him a ton of other stuff. And what an honor that must have been. And, and Joseph had that experience where he had every right to step out and do something else, to step away and to move on with his life. But he laid his own personal desires aside to follow God's path for his life. And it turned out to be a wonderful one. And not one that was easy, because that is not often the case. But for you and for me, that is what we can learn. Uh, God's path for your life and God's path for my life um, will be challenging and difficult and sometimes may feel all over the place. But the fact of the matter is that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Let's put our faith in him. Let's follow him. Um, because his ways are bigger than ours. Uh, he is good, he is amazing, and he is better than anything you could ever imagine. So even when things don't make sense, even when life seems to fall apart, put your requests to God, put your struggles, your difficulties, your, your trials, your difficulties, put them all to God and, and make your requests known to him. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We pray with me. Father, uh, the story of Joseph is an amazing one. Um, his faith and his dedication to you is something that I can only aspire to be able to do. Um, Lord, I pray that in my most difficult times and in, in our church's most difficult times, when things seem to fall apart, Lord, I pray that you step up and teach us and show us what we must do. Lead us, guide us, but most of all, help us to let go of ourselves and follow what you have for us. Let go of our desires, even when they're good and even when they're right and, and law-abiding. You are first. You are number one. And I pray that you help us to make those decisions day by day. In your name we pray.
Amen.